0: Let's let's come to our Lord in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you have the words of eternal life. And that as your disciples, we have no other place to turn, even though there is such great temptation day in and day out to look to the things of this world. Lord, as we... Your people, come around your word this morning. We ask that by your spirit, you would speak to us, that you would help us, that you would humble us, that you would turn our eyes heavenward, and that you would change us to be the light, the salt of this world, as you call us to be. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can everyone hear me? So uh, paradoxes are incredible things because two contradictory statements can be said in the same sentence to bring out a truth. And for me, the media during COVID really brought this out. You see, on the one hand, this world was going through a, a real experience of fear about a virus that no one really knew much about. People were terrified, but on the other hand, we also witnessed some of the most incredibly ridiculous behaviour that the world has ever been exposed to. I'm, of course, talking about people fighting over toilet paper in the aisles of the local supermarket. That's right, In, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, in the midst of such uncertainty and fear, we were exposed to a great paradox, in that we were shown, deep down, people are actually pretty shallow. Now, the thing that brought all this about was the unbelievable worry that people had. Worry and anxiety over the things of this world drove people to all sorts of insane behaviour. Well, this morning, our text is going to address the root cause of worry and help us to see that when our hearts are focused on the goodness and the providence of God, well, the things of this world won't cause us to walk in such crippling anxiety. So if you have your Bibles uh, with you this morning, we're going to be in the text Quite a, uh, quite a lot, so we're going to look at just one word in verse 25, the first word. We read, therefore. Now, it's been said from this pulpit uh, before that whenever you see the word therefore, you must ask yourself the question, why is that word therefore? Well, it's usually there because the author is summing up what's come before. In other words, when you see the word Therefore, you need to look back so you can understand the context of what you're reading. And that's where we were last week. You'll notice this is part two. Uh, we were in the context to this passage that spoke about what it is to live for the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Jesus has been teaching us about what it is to live as kingdom minded people all throughout this sermon. Uh, And he's been doing this. He's been doing this teaching about what it is to be part of his kingdom. Because the disciples of Jesus are called out of this world and into his kingdom to do something. And that something is to be the salt and light of this world. Which means that uh, when we become Christians, we're not too depart from this world but to impart into it so that those trapped in the darkness might come towards the light glorifying our heavenly father because of our good deeds chapter 5 verse 16. Again we are the salt and the light of this world a peculiar people who live in a peculiar world yet with a totally different, ordered way of doing things, which really does something, our Lord tells us. It really does something in the scheme of things. For example, as we saw last week, those of the kingdom are not to live for the things of this world, storing up earthly treasures. Because as Jesus told us, by way of incredibly metaphoric language, All that we collect and value in this world is going to rot in the ground anyway, if it's not stolen beforehand, that is. So don't be like those of the world who live for the things of this world. No, turn your minds to the things of God and employ your abilities in living in response to the things that God would have you to do. And it's as you do this, said Jesus, it's as you look heavenward and cast your eye towards what God would have you to do, that the things of this world will be seen as they're meant to be seen. They'll be seen as things that have a use-by date on them. Not as things to cast all your energy towards. No, to live for the kingdom of heaven, our Lord Jesus told us. Well, that can never be taken away from you. In other words, the treasures of living in obedience to God's word will never decompose, but follow you into eternity. And it was as we were in our text last week that Jesus ended with verse 24 with an incredibly sobering statement In fact, I would go so far as to call it a black and white declaration, meaning there is no grey areas to live out our discipleship. Either God is your master and you will live to serve him with all that you are, or money, status, wealth still drives everything that you're about. And from that place of bondage and slavery... You will live out your servitude to the trinkets you collect and the treasures you store up. We simply cannot serve two masters. A sobering statement, indeed. Well, this morning, we are going to continue in our Lord's uh, sermon in this part about what it is to be a people who have had their eyes lifted to heaven. So with all that said, let's dive headfirst into the text. Um, again, looking at verse 25, and I, I think we'll get a little bit past one word this drive. So these are the words of our Lord. He says, I, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, I, I think it would be very helpful for us to understand something about what Jesus is saying here. You see, as I've already said, What we have before us this morning is building off last week, what was said last week. And as we saw in that passage, Jesus wasn't teaching that a total rejection of having things on this earth was on view, but a reordering of one's life priorities, a reordering of our life's priorities. That's what we looked at last week. Jesus made us keenly aware that there is a danger that we have to be aware of, a danger of living to store up treasures on this world and find our worth in those things. Now, as disciples, we're to live with a reordered view of our things. Because our stuff doesn't define us. It's it's not meant to satisfy us. And we know that because the Holy Spirit of God has shown us someone so much greater that we live for. Our heavenly master. He has revealed that to us, to his people. And so with that understanding, by Jesus saying, don't worry, he's not saying to the disciples, she'll be right. Right. Don't worry about it, Kabba. Sarah, Sirrah, whatever will be, will be. But again, he's making us keenly aware that there needs to be a reordering in our life. Because if we still have our eyes firmly fixed on the things of this world, then we will live in a constant state of worry about those things. Let me explain it like this. When Jesus says, do not worry, we have to understand that statement in the whole counsel of scripture. And so with that said, he's not saying that we should not concern ourselves with making a living. And just because we follow him, food will magically appear at our doorstep each morning. And let me warn you, don't eat what the cats bring you nor is he saying for us to just go and quit all of our jobs and God will take care of the rest. We know that's not the case because Paul says later in 1 Timothy 5.8 that people who can work so as to provide for their families but choose not to are worse than unbelievers. Nor as Christians are we to ever turn away people in genuine need. It's a good and biblical principle to concern ourselves with the practical assisting of others in whatever way we can. We saw that in the Ephesians series that we went through. I also want to say that Jesus isn't saying that you won't have any trouble in this life. That if you put Jesus first, you get a spiritual hall pass. No, you will have trouble and persecution if you follow Jesus. He tells us that plainly in John 15, 18 to 21. So we mustn't misunderstand Jesus here. He's not saying don't worry because you really won't have any troubles at all. No, as we're going to see in our passage this morning, he's saying don't worry because if you understand the truth, If you raise your eyes from the things of this world and to our heavenly Father, then you won't worry about your life despite your troubles in this world. Now it might be said, uh, we might explore worry a bit, the theme of worry. And, And worry bubbles up to the surface because we've drifted off and fixated on the wrong things. Now please don't misunderstand me here this morning. We all go through things in various degrees and our trials certainly can bring out some serious concerns for us. Jesus knows that about his disciples. He knows that we will go through all sorts of trials and tribulations in this world and that we will have to deal with some pretty serious things on this side of eternity. Christians go through financial hardship, go through the loss of a spouse or child, go through the deterioration of health, bad news from the doctors. Christians go through persecution and times of oppression from governments and communities, friends and even uh, their own families. I know for myself, going through the season that Haley and I have just gone through, There were real moments of worry at night as I lay there thinking about all the things that could go wrong with a spinal operation. I can't imagine what some of you have gone through in this room this morning. And might I say that worrying about things, well, it doesn't always come from these big life events either. No, it can come just from life in general. And I think that's the deeper question that our Lord brings out in us here this morning. When He says, Don't worry, He brings out the question of where our hearts are at any given moment with our walk with God. Where are they when we go through various trials, through the unpredictable, even the mundane? You see, worry comes as a result of fixating on what is right in front of you and the what-ifs of the situation. And things get clouded when we get distracted with the things of this world, whatever they might be. That's usually why we worry, because yes, you really might lose your house. Yes, you may really Lose a spouse, your health. And yes, we may really be persecuted in this country of ours because we don't use the right language or affirm the right communities. But all those possibilities bring out something in us. Do we worry because our heart is fixated on the wrong things? Is it possible that we worry and fret because our treasure is still on the things of this world? Well, brothers and sisters, it's actually a wonderful thing that Jesus is doing here. Because as he tells us not to worry, we again can think of the places where we do worry. Which is a good opportunity to do something called self-examination. Self-examination in light of the word. And again, this morning, there is a good opportunity to think about where And what we are trusting in. And a good opportunity to see where the things of this world really do have our attention. And confess them before our Father in heaven. And our Lord is doing this because he knows what we will face in this world. And how fear will try to claw its way into our hearts. And drag us back into the darkest recesses. Of hopelessness, So instead of saying, don't worry about it, and that's that, Jesus actually breaks into our fear and trepidation with truth and tells us where we can lift our eyes and put our trust. That's right. G- Jesus, again, takes our minds from where he knows they naturally gravitate towards, and with this passage, gives us some great things to help us lift our eyes heavenward to our loving Father. Because he knows if we focus in on the truth that the worries of this world will be seen for what they are. However, church, you must understand, Jesus isn't giving us a formula here to say over and over, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. No, he pierces our hearts with his word, the truth, so that we might get things in perspective and look heavenward so as to put our trust in someone other than ourselves. To put it plainly, Jesus holds the truth to us in this passage so that we might trust our heavenly father as trust in the truth of who God is, is what it takes to overcome Worry in this world. So six things we're going to look at in this passage. And for you note takers out there, I very kindly numbered them for you. Uh, you may see more in the text, but six is what we will focus on this morning. So first, you might notice it in verse 25 that Jesus highlights where our priorities go wrong. He says, Is is life not more than food, the body, more than clothes and that's so great what Jesus is doing there he's telling us when worry starts to creep in we we should ask ourselves the question in the midst of it all is is life not more than food and the body more than clothes I think some should have asked is life not more than toilet paper (laughs) might be too late for that That's a great question to ask ourselves. When worry starts to creep in, to to kick your mind back into reality, ask yourselves, "Is, is life more than what I eat and drink and wear? And it's funny because that's what advertising companies go after, right? They attach so much of those things to our status preaching to us that you're not as great as the next person if you don't have the greatest things. The world attaches so much satisfaction and status to what you do with your body. It's a worldly mindset, and our Lord is saying our lives are so much more than these things because we don't live for the approval of, of others, But in the hope of not just this life, but the life to come. So this question gets us to see things in perspective. If you're trusting in what the world labels as great and important, then your priorities are misplaced. And you'll always worry, always worry that either you'll lose these things or you won't do enough to get them, won't have enough. So Jesus gets us to look at our priorities. Second, he draws our minds to the providence of God in verses 26 and 28. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labour or spin. Notice what he's doing here. He, he not only gets us to ask ourselves where our priorities are when we worry, he also draws our minds to the providence of God in the midst of it, which is so clearly on display in his creation. I mean, this is an everyday thing that we can do. Just open the door, walk outside and go and see. Let me draw on one example here on how important it is to understand what Jesus is saying here. Uh, We just got birds for Bethany and uh, for her birthday. Um, And there's such a sense of care and love from her already towards these little things. I mean, she spent hours on YouTube researching what they need to eat, where they're meant to live how they're meant to be handled and how they're meant to be protected, especially from sticky little siblings. And she does this because she loves them so much. These aren't random little creatures to her. They're her responsibility and she takes seriously her her role in the whole thing. But that is nothing compared to what we saw on Monday uh, when she asked me, ...to take her to the zoo because she wanted to visit her budgie's little cousins in the bird enclosure. I mean, there's, there's people in that place who have spent years and years studying birds... ...so that they can help them survive and not go extinct. And it dawned on me the great similarity between my daughter and these people... ...who dedicate their lives to these beautiful little animals is that they both live to serve these creatures. Jesus is drawing his disciples to something here. Not to little pets owned by children, or to the exotic fowl at the zoo who are cared for by experts, but to the birds of the air who are graciously, uh, wonderfully served by our heavenly Father. Now, Think about it birds of the air, grass of the field, well, they don't have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do, brothers and sisters. So so if God cares for them in such a way, how do you think he's going to care for us? Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 26. So we combat worry in our lives by thinking where the priorities have gone wrong and then we can meditate on God's providential care. Third, Jesus uh, has so kindly all throughout the Sermon on the Mount given incredibly uh, deep, uh, logical uh, reasons for his argument and we see it again in verse 27. Jesus says... Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I mean, think about what he's saying here. Uh, When you feel that worry kicking in, the what ifs of the situation, if you relish it in your mind and spiral around it, the only thing it will achieve will be something like a whirlpool that drags you down and suffocates you. I mean, it's not like if you completely freak out that the results are going to change. At the end of the day, the Lord is telling us worry doesn't actually do us any good. It doesn't actually fix anything. Fourth, when we worry, we act like people in the world, more than those who know that we have a loving, caring, providential heavenly father. It's right there in verse 2. The pagans run after these things. They they worry about clothes and what they'll drink and what they'll eat, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, to be consumed with worry about how you're going to live is is something that those uh, who who don't trust in God, that's what they do. That's how the world thinks and acts because ultimately they, they have no hope. On the flip side, fifth, if we trust that our Father knows what we need, then really at the end of the day, really at the end of the day, we have nothing to worry about. Now, don't mishear me. Things get hard. Things get scary. That valley that you may be walking through gets very, very dark, no doubt. But it's not like our heavenly father is looking around going, oh no, I've lost Bruce and Sheila again. The truth of the matter is that though we might feel scared, our heavenly father knows exactly where he has us. He knows exactly what we need and he provides for us in the midst of it. Sometimes what we need is not always what we want That's why knowing God as our father tears away at worry because we know that he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need more than what we want and he provides for us in that providential love and care. So church, Jesus penetrates our ever sanctifying lives by holding out to us some incredible truths so that we might combat the worry that so easily, so easily creeps in. First, worry comes because our minds are disoriented. So when things feel off course, when things get hard, ask yourself in that situation, is this really what my life is all about? Second, we are Testified to every day by God's creation. And it shows us that he cares for us more than we could ever possibly imagine. Third, worry actually doesn't change anything. Fourth, worry about things is what the world does because they walk around really with no hope. But we do because fifth, we have a heavenly father who not just loves us but knows what we need. Now, there's one more thing that Jesus adds into all of this, and we want to take note of it. It's in verse 34. Our Lord ends this entire point by saying, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, we don't know the future, and so... To look at your present situation and worry is just as useless as looking to the future and fretting over things that you just have no control over. Now getting back to what was already said this morning, just because you follow Jesus as Lord doesn't mean that we have some spiritual hall pass that protects us from every creepy crawly in this life. No, God doesn't extract us from this world. He actually sends us out into it to be lights, knowing that we will be in a dark world. And so we just don't know what troubles will come in that darkness. And so our Lord is telling us this morning It does no good for us to fixate our minds on what is wrong and what can go wrong in this world. What he's preparing us for, church, what he's preparing his people for is a way to deal with those things as they come. Because trouble is part of a fallen world. And so the Lord Jesus gives us some things here to help us lift our eyes to the truth so that we might be set free from worry as we trust in the providential love and care of our Heavenly Father. I want us to step back for a moment. And I want you to make, uh, make you aware of something running through the entire sermon on the Mount. It's a theme uh, that helps us to draw it all together. It's on the slide. It's the kingdom of heaven. We've heard about it over and over and over again through the five and a half months that we've been in this book. God promised through the prophets that he would send a king who would usher in a kingdom. And that's exactly what God has done With Jesus. He is the promised king of God's heavenly kingdom. Now what's important to note about all of this is that God made a promise and God fulfilled that promise in Jesus Christ. He really did send a saviour into this world to save his people. And so we can look at Jesus and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our greatest need for yesterday, today and forever has been fully and completely met. Our ultimate need has been met in Christ now and for all eternity. We've seen that through the months as we've been in the gospel according to Matthew. When Christ's righteousness is given to us, we enter into the kingdom of heaven. We're given the status in Jesus as a son or daughter of God. That's right, we, we enter the kingdom of heaven because the king of heaven came to live and die for his people. And we are told that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this morning, everything is put into perspective when we understand who and what we are in relation to this world. Uh, Worry is squished when we see that we are citizens of God's kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful truth to not just meditate on, but trust with all that we are. And so with all that said, with that understanding in tow, Jesus draws our attention to how we, his disciples, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, God's children should approach every given situation in verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all, not some, all these things, will be given to you as well. Church, we will come against all sorts of things in this world. But when you're dealing with worry, stop, ask yourself, what is this life really all about? Because at the end of the day, church, because of Jesus, you're no longer a citizen Of the kingdom of darkness but a citizen of another kingdom so worry really comes when when we drift off and forget what we are now at this moment in Christ who and what we are now in relation to the Creator of all things No, because of Jesus Christ, there is a new ordering of priorities that come with being a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. So there's an order that we live for and, and seek in this world. So in any given situation, you might ask, am I seeking God's rule on earth as it is in heaven, like we pray? Or am I still looking for what works best for me? Am I seeking the leading of Jesus in my life? Or is my mind still positioned in such a way that I'm looking at all of this with me at the center? Remember, we're invited, invited by our Heavenly Father to go and speak to him about all these things. And I want you to notice this, church. Our Lord says to us that we don't seek God's rule and reign in our lives as some afterthought. No, we seek first above all else. And that mindset isn't limited to church life. No, it, it infiltrates. By the work of the Spirit, it infiltrates everything that we're involved in. Every hobby, relationship, desire, job, recreation, business plan, our, our everything. Without pushing this illustration too far, we're kind of like a paradox, right? Right? On the one hand, we're a blood-purchased people who are citizens of the heavenly kingdom, children of the living God, yet we're still in our bodies in a fallen world, which is grasping for all our affections and desires. It's known by some as an already-but-not-yet existence. Jesus calls us to something so much greater than a life lived for oneself. He calls his, his disciples to a life of servitude, both before our Heavenly Father and towards others in the way that we act in this world. And all of us are faced with decisions in our life. King Jesus knows that. Yet as we've seen, worry is a sign that our priorities have gotten out of order. And that we've become disoriented. And yet Jesus says when these things come, raise your eyes heavenward because we can know that our heavenly father sees and understands every aspect of our lives. And more than that, he cares for you. And so in light of that church, we can give ourselves over completely to the cause of the kingdom in all that we do not worrying that we'll be forgotten or misplaced because we know that our Heavenly Father provides for us. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we can abandon ourselves into our Heavenly Father's care and give everything we are for his service wherever we may find ourselves in this dark world. Because we know by the words of our Lord, that we will be provided for in the here and the now and for all eternity. These are wonderful truths that Jesus gives us in his word. But church, do you trust him? Do you trust his word over what you see in this world? Well, like always, we are invited to come to the throne of grace as the people of God. So let's do that now as his disciples and children. Would you please pray for me, Pray with me? Lord Jesus, we started our time this morning asking that you would help us to understand your word by your spirit, who is working among us this morning. And Lord Jesus, we have come up time and time again against such wonderful truths that we need your grace and your mercy and your love and your care to lead and guide us in. Lord Jesus, these are not words that you have given to us to cast aside and keep doing things our way, but words that Bring us to you daily. And so we ask that you would please help us. Please change us. Take us from where we were to take us to where you want us to be. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven, wherever you have us. Lord, we want to see people hear the gospel We want people to turn from the way they were going and to put their trust completely and totally in you. Lord, we want to be a people that make disciples not of our own culture or community, but of you and all that you have taught us. These are things that we need your help and we want your help in. Would you please, Lord Jesus, lead and guide us in what you would have us to do. We ask for all of this in your mighty and precious and holy name. Amen.